We're closing out this series tonight, and, uh, and basically this whole series has been uh, based around the idea that we are all on our way somewhere. We're all going somewhere. We're all headed in a direction, and, and what we do today, what you do as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, will, um, will influence your future. And a lot of times as young people, we think, what I do today will not affect me when I'm 25, 35, 45. Like, they have nothing to do with each other. But this whole On My Way series has been about the fact that it does have something to do with it. And we talked about in the first week this, uh, this idea that direction, not intention, direction, not intention, determines destination. Where you are going, if you're headed towards downtown, it doesn't matter if you want to go to the beach, you are going towards downtown. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. We also talked about some of the reasons why we go in the wrong direction, some of the things that pull us in an opposite direction of where we want to go. And last week, Pastor Jerry talked about um, how we can head in the right direction, how when we see trouble ahead, um, the wise people will turn away and go in the opposite direction, but how many times we just keep on going. We, we see the warning signs that we keep on going. He also talked about finding wise counsel, finding those people in your life that can help you go to a place that you have never been before, and they can give you advice and wisdom because they have been down that road. So we're going to close it out tonight by talking about the best path. Tell, tell your neighbor that I want to go on the best path. Because we all, we all want to go on the best path. We don't just want a good path in our life. We want the best path. So let's pray together and uh, we'll start. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. I pray that um, as, we've, as we've done this series and as we go through tonight, that every person in this room would be convinced of one thing, and that is that you love them and that you have a plan for their life. You have a reason for their life, and you want them to, um, to go where you want them to go. And that place that you want them to go is the best path for them, Lord. And I pray that um, tonight as we get here that we wouldn't worry about yesterday, that we wouldn't worry about tomorrow, that we wouldn't worry about what we're doing tonight, but that we would focus on one thing and one thing only, and that is hearing from you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to each of our hearts as only the Holy Spirit can, and um, that, we will, uh, that we will hear what you have to speak to us. In your name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Ultimately, ultimately, you can go where you want to in life. You can go where you want to in life. You can have a dream. You can have a goal. You can have something you want in your future. And you can, um, you can take the advice of this series and you can head in that direction. You can go in that direction. You can avoid the pitfalls. You can avoid the problems. You, you can seek wise counsel. You can surround yourself with the best advice possible. You can find the right friends and listen to your life group leaders and, and do everything that we've talked about in this series. But ultimately, that will only take you so far. Where it'll take you is um, it'll essentially take you uh, to where your goals for your life is or, or are. But, but the issue is, the issue with our goals are that not that they're bad, um, but that they are they lack perspective, especially as as teenagers. But this is really for all people. We all lack perspective. See, most of you have lived between uh, obviously between twelve years and eighteen years of your life, a very short amount of time, and you've lived that in only um, a few places. Most of you only in one nation, and so you have a limited perspective. You've only met a certain amount of people. You've only lived a certain amount of years. You've only lived in a certain amount of places. And even right now, as we see what's going on in Jackson. There are like millions and millions of other opportunities for things happening in other towns and in other nations and in other cultures. And so we don't see everything. We have very limited perspective. We don't know everything about the past. We surely don't know about the future. And so our goals 
are, um, they're just imperfect. They're not the best because they lack perspective. And even when you're like 85 years old and you've lived through a lot and you have a lot of wisdom to give, you will still have a very imperfect, limited perspective on life because you can't know everything. And so because of that, our goals will be limited. Yes, you can get to your goals, but maybe maybe our goals for our life aren't necessarily the best path for our lives. Our goals aren't perfect. And so here's, uh, here's how we find the best path. You find the best path when you submit to the one who knows what is best. You find the best path when you submit to the one who knows what is best. And we believe that that, that is our heavenly father, the, the God of this Bible, this book that we look at every week, um, the father uh, of, of Jesus and, and the one who created everything. We believe that that God knows what is best. And we can find the best path when we submit to and when we follow after him. Many of you have seen like, um, maybe you have a little sibling or a cousin or maybe you've just seen someone in a store before and you see like the little kid and maybe like a two-year-old, three-year-old and their parents are talking to them and their parents are explaining some things and the kid may be crying or they may be complaining or they may be whining and the parent is essentially saying, you should do this or you shouldn't do this. And why the parent is telling them that is because the parent is trying to protect the child. The parent knows better for the child and what the child needs than the child does. The child has a limited perspective. The child doesn't know exactly what it must do to succeed in life. But the parent can say, well, if you eat that, it'll do this to your body. If you say this, if you do this, these things will help you or these things will hurt you. And we would all look at that and we would say, that little kid should listen to their parents. That little kid should listen to their parents because their parents know some things that they don't. And what we have to understand is that even though we are young adults or adults or old adults, um, we, have, um, we have a limited perspective. And that our Heavenly Father is like the connection between the little kid, a two-year-old, and their 30 or 35-year-old parent is much closer. The gap between them is much closer than us and our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father knows infinitely more about the world. He created the world. He, he was there in the past. He knew about you before you were born. He created the idea of you. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows what's going to happen to your kids' kids. He knows everything. And so just like we would say, well, those little kids ought to listen to their parents because their parents know what's best. How much more should we listen to our perfect heavenly father who truly does know what is best? So the way that we find that best path, we all want the best path, is to submit to the one who knows what is best, who knows what is best. We're going to open up to the book of Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look at six verses, one through six, and, um, and we're going to just kind of break down um, because this writer, uh, Solomon, is going to tell us about how God truly does know what <clears throat> is best. So starting in verse one, here's what it says. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So, so here's kind of the first promise that God makes. He says, if you keep my commands, if you keep my teachings, your life will be better. 
Who doesn't want to have a longer life? Who doesn't want to have peace and prosperity? Now, prosperity in this context isn't saying like you're going to be rich and famous, but it's saying your life will be better because you obey and keep the commands of God. This, this word for peace is a word that many of you know that you don't think you know, but it's, uh, it's a Hebrew word, and the word is shalom. Maybe you've heard it, um, that people will say that in greeting to each other. Um, even today, they will say shalom, and it's, it's kind of this idea of peace be with you. Um, but the, the definition of shalom is not just peace, but it's completeness, like being complete, being content. Have you ever felt content, like you're not too full, you're not hungry, you're just content, you're like, that was a great meal. Or you get a gift, and you're like, that was that's everything I wanted. Or this evening or this time with my friends or family, like it was everything I wanted. You're just content. The Bible says you will feel that contentedness, that completeness when you keep the commands of God. We'll continue in verse three. It says this, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So keep them close to you. Verse four, then, if you do this, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. In the sight of God and man. Who doesn't want to have a good name and be in favor with God? Who doesn't want to be in a good place and have a good reputation among the people around us? We all want to be in a good place with God and with the people around us. And even if you don't believe in God, I know that you want to be in a good place with the people around you. And God says, if you keep love and faithfulness and my commands close to you, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. These are all good things that we're talking about so far. And then these next two verses are, are some of the most famous verses in Scripture. Maybe you know them even if you haven't been in church very much. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The Hebrew word for, for this word heart is a word um, called lave. And this word lave is not just like your heart, but it's like your inner being. It's like your soul. It's like your will, like what you want. It is, um, it, it, it's like your, your mind. It's, it's everything that's inside of you. It's your understanding. It's everything inside of you. So what the Bible verse is saying is you should trust in the Lord with everything you have. Not just with like, not just with like oh yeah, you know, my emotions. I, I kind of love God. I kind of trust God. But with everything that's inside of you, you should trust in the Lord. And lean not on your own understanding. Verse six, in all your ways, in all your ways, in what ways? In what ways? Say it one more time. In what ways? In all your ways, submit to or acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Many of you uh, drive, some of you don't, but you've at least been in a car. And when you're driving down a road, sometimes like a bridge is closed and it'll say, here's a detour. And kind of the idea of this verse is like, you don't have to go on detours. You don't have to go like all out of the way down all these side roads to get back to the place where you want to go. You could just go over the bridge. God will make your path straight. Not perfect, not easy, but you will get to the place you want to go quicker if you are following after God because his commands naturally make our path straight. Here's what this scripture is saying. A very simple truth. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. Very simple. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. I'll say it one more time. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. 
And it sounds like a nice thing, and it sounds like something that a lot of us um, would, would want to do. But here's the truth. Most of us don't trust in God. Even those of us who are Jesus followers, who have given our life to Christ, who, who, who do quiet times, who go to church, who go on mission trips, many of us don't actually trust in God on a day-to-day basis. We're like, yeah, God, you can have the grace. I love that. I love Jesus. love what you're doing there. But I still kind of want to control my relationship life. I still want to control what's going on at school. I still want to control things in my family or with my boyfriend and girlfriend or with my friends. Like, I want to control that part of my life. I want to keep that to myself. So why don't we trust in God? Why is it that we like, that, that we believe these things about God and yet we'll say, no, nah, but I'd rather do it myself. Why is that? Another question you could ask yourself is, what do you fear will happen? What are you scared of if you actually trust in God. Because if you're not doing it, there's a reason why you're not doing it. It's because there's something that you're afraid of. You're afraid that something will happen if you were to actually trust that area of your life over to God. Here's a question. Do we fear that God is holding back? Like, do we think that, well, if I trust in him, he's not going to give me what I want. Like, I need to go get it myself. I I need to go achieve what I need to achieve because God's not going to do it for me. I I can't trust him to do that. Because if we believe that, then we're not looking at what the scripture says. The Bible says he has plans to prosper you. The Bible says that he he created you for a reason, that he he loves you, that he wants a relationship with you, that he has a plan for your life. So why is it that we think that he's going to hold back or that he's going to harm us? Because that's not the truth. What, What I think What I think, and this is very important, I want you to hear this. What I think, the reason that we don't trust in God a lot of times is because we kind of have something in our life that we kind of know is probably not best for us. We know that it's probably not right. We know that it's probably not wise. We know that it's probably not what God wants for us, but we just want to do it anyway. We just want to experience it. We just want to experiment. We just want to do it our self. Like a little kid, it's just like, no, 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 this is for me. I, I'm gonna do it by myself. I don't need your help, mom. I don't need your help, dad. And it's like, you, you don't know what you're doing. You're like a year and a half full. What, what, what are you talking about? It's like, no, 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 mine, mine, mine. I'm gonna handle this myself. And that's what we do a lot of times. We're like, ah, I kind of have this area of my life, God, and I wanna do it myself. And the reason why we don't trust these areas of our life to God is that I think we know that if we give it to him, we might not get what we want. Like, like, I think we're afraid, I think we're afraid that he might convict us and that we might think, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that anymore. And the problem is, we want to want to look at pornography. We want to want to smoke. We want to want to gossip. We want to want to be selfish. We want to want these things. And we're afraid, well, if I give that area of my life over to God, he might change my heart. He might make me want to do something else. I might feel guilty the problem is what we're essentially doing is we're going in the direction opposite of where we want to be. We're not going on the best path when we do that. We think, uh, well, I won't get what I want. And we've got to understand, maybe what you want isn't very good. Maybe sex isn't as good as, as, good as you think it is. Maybe that high isn't as good as you think it is. Maybe that popularity or that, that friend or, or that decision isn't as good as you think it is. Maybe... There's something 
better. And I've said it a ton of times, and I'll continue to say it a ton of times, and if you're a sixth grader, you're going to hear this like 300 more times over the next few years, is that God's laws always protect us, and they always protect our future. God's way is always better than our way. So when we say, well, I want to do this with my life, what God's saying is, i got something that's a little bit better for you. I've got something that's a lot better for you. And just as a couple of examples, there, there's, this, there's this little commandment in the Old Testament, not many people talk about it, but it says don't covet your neighbor's stuff. What that means is like you shouldn't want what other people have. Essentially, it's saying don't compare yourself with other people. Why does God say this? Not just to be like nitpicky. He says it because he knows that when we compare our bodies with other people's bodies, we're miserable. And when we compare our boyfriend or girlfriend or lack of a boyfriend or girlfriend to other people, we feel miserable. When we compare our academic success with other academic people's academic success, we feel miserable. When we compare where we go to college to where other people go to college, we feel miserable. When we compare our families with other people, our money with other people, our job with other people, our talents with other people, we are miserable. And God says, you don't want that, so just don't do it. He's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to give us something. I talk about this example all the time, but with sex, God says, sex is good, but keep it in a marriage. And guess what happens when you keep it in a marriage? You avoid a lot of the things other people have to deal with. Think about a world where everybody just listened to this one, one commandment. No more adultery. Far less divorce. No unwanted pregnancies. No STDs. No rape. No molestation. No pornography. No no sexual slavery. Like None of that stuff would exist in the world. If we would just listen to one command. The world would be better, and your life would be better. There were some things in my life that, that, that were better because I obeyed God in this area of my life, and I didn't have sex until I was married, and there were some things I didn't have to worry about that my friends had to worry about. I never had to wonder, oh, is my girlfriend pregnant? I never had to wonder, did I catch what they have? I never had to look someone in the eye and think, I can't believe I did that with that person. I never had to do that while my friends had to do that. Because I obeyed God in that area of my life. And I wasn't perfect. I looked at pornography. I lusted. But like in that one area, I listened and I experienced shalom. I experienced the peace that God gives in that area. And even to think about what God, Jesus says in the New Testament. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think, oh, but I want stuff for me. If I have to love them, then I have to give. Then I have to share then I have to be unselfish. Then I, then I have to be selfless. I have to, to serve. Like, eh, that doesn't always work out for me. And Jesus says, you know your life's more full when you love? You know you have more friends when you love? You know your family relationships are better when you love? You know you're not involved with so much drama and gossip when you love? You know you, you, your life is more complete and you have more purpose when you love? What God is actually trying to do, what Jesus is trying to do, is make our life better. So we've got to stop trusting in ourselves, but trust in God. So how do we do this? How do we do this? The key is one word. The key is our attention. Everybody say attention. Like some of you right now, you're falling asleep and you're talking to your friend. You need to pay attention. Everybody say attention one more time. All right. So here is the key to everything we've talked about in this series. And it's going to kind of expand where we've been in this series. Here it is. Attention determines Direction. Attention determines direction. And we could say three words to sum up this entire series, and it is this. Attention, direction, destination. Attention, direction, 
destination. Let's say that together one time. Ready, set, go. Attention, direction, destination. What we pay attention to, we go towards. I've heard my dad say before, when you're driving and you start looking at someone in the next lane or you start looking at a gas station, what do you start to do? You start to drift. You start to sway into that direction. It changes your destination. So actually, if we get before the whole direction and intention thing, we could start with attention. What we pay attention to, we go in that direction and that determines our destination. There's one verse in Hebrews chapter two, verse one, by the end of the Bible. And it says this, chapter two, verse one, it says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, the most careful attention. We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We live at the beach. We've all been in the water where where you, you go out, you start playing, you surf, whatever, and then all of a sudden you look up and you can't even see your stuff because it's way down there. What have you done? You've drifted. You've drifted. Because you, you just stop paying attention and you just slowly drift down the beach. And what Hebrews 2 is saying is you're going to drift away if you don't pay very careful attention to what you have heard. What have we heard? What is it referring to? It's referring to Jesus. It's referring to the gospel. So it says, let, let's read this again just with a different little bit of a different translation. It says, we must pay the most careful attention to Jesus so that we do not drift away. Because the truth is we will drift away from the best path. We will drift away from God's path whenever we turn our attention to other things. And when we realize that, we have to reorient our focus on Jesus. I really preach the same sermon 75% of the time. It is, look at Jesus. Look up at God. Follow Jesus. Look at him. Keep him at the center of your day, and he will transform your life. I could go over the past few years of series, and most of them have to do with this idea. If you look to Jesus, if you look to God, if you keep your focus on him, if you gaze upon him, if you stare into him, you will be changed. You will go down the best path. You will know your heavenly father. And all of a sudden, the things of earth will will kind of become less important. The sins will kind of just drop away, and you'll be like, I I don't struggle with that anymore. Why? Because you're looking at Jesus. You're paying attention to Jesus. And here's, here's what happens a lot of the times for us as, as Christians. Here's what we do. Jesus, man, woo, I love you. I love you. You're, you're the greatest, man. I'm going to do my quiet time every day. I mean, I feel, I feel pumped up because of Epworth. And like, I'm going to worship. I'm just going to listen to worship music. That's all I'm going to do. Never rap, never anything else. I'm just going to listen to worship music all the time. I'm just going to keep it in my earphone. I'm not even going to listen in class. I'm just going to listen to worship music. I'm going to pray all the time. It's going to be amazing. They're like, oh, man, she's hot. Woo, he's good looking. And then we come over here and our attention draws us away. And they're like, three months later, we've broken up. Okay, God, I'm back. I'm back, God. I'm back, and this time I'm better than ever. I'm gonna pay attention to you. I'm gonna pay attention to you. Soccer, football, cheerleading, dance, band, music, whatever it is. Okay, God, I'll be back. I'm gonna pay attention to you, but right now I got my attention here and our direction starts to sway. And we start to go towards other things. And our destination changes. And we're over here and we're like, just as soon as the season's over, as soon as practice is over, I just got to get better at this. I got to do this better. And then I'll be, and then we come back. Man, Jamaica was awesome. Albany was, camp was awesome. Man, it was a great summer. I am ready to change. I'm going to just focus on you. I'm going to stare at you. My attention is on you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to follow after you. 
And then something else comes and we're, oh, well, where am I going to go to college? Where, where, where did they get in? Oh, are my scores good enough? Did, did I get in where they got in? Am I going to get in my number one choice or my number two choice or my number three choice? Uh, well, what's going to happen? God, I'll be back in a few years. Let me, let me just deal with college. i got to deal with my career. This is my life. This is education. And so we're back here and we're like, God, I don't have time for you. i got to deal with college. i got to deal with academics. i got to be the best. And then we come back and we're like, Whew, okay, God, college was great. Now I'm back. I'm going to pay attention to you. And this is what happens. Our attention gets diverted to other things. We get distracted. And these things aren't bad. Soccer's not bad. College isn't bad. Boyfriends and girlfriends aren't bad. They're not bad, but they are distracting. They distract us from paying attention to our heavenly Father. In Matthew 14, there's this famous story, and and the disciples are in the boat, and there's wind, and and there's rain, and it's kind of like a storm. And and all of a sudden, it's the middle of the night, and and this, this lit up little object is out in the distance. They're like, what is that? Is that like a ghost? And they realize it's Jesus and he's walking on water. And they're like, oh my gosh, he's like standing on the water. He's walking towards us. And Peter's like, I'm going, I'm going to go out there. And so he starts to step out of the boat. He's like, Jesus, can I come to you? And Jesus like, come on. And he's like, oh, and he's paying attention to Jesus and he's staring at Jesus. And then he steps out and his foot doesn't sink. And he's like, oh my gosh, guys, you, you getting this? You get, phones aren't invented yet? Crap. Okay, and then he's like just walking, and he's walking, and he's like, this is incredible. Like, I, I could see stuff underneath me, and like, I'm standing on water. This is impossible. Guys, are you seeing this? And he's looking at Jesus. But the Bible says that then he became aware of the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves were there when he was in the boat. They didn't just start up. They were already there, but all of a sudden he gets distracted. His attention wavers. And it says he took his eyes off Jesus and he started looking at the wind and the waves. And immediately he begins to sink. His direction changes. His destination changes. His destination goes from walking towards Jesus on water to drowning. And you can imagine the waves are coming over his head. He's choking on water and he he just needs something. And finally Jesus reaches out. And pulls him back up. See, his attention gets diverted. He gets distracted. And his destination starts to change. See, I haven't, uh, I haven't, uh, I won't claim to have always followed Jesus perfectly at all. Um, But there are some places in my life, uh, especially in college and with my career, where uh, where I have seen God work. I've seen my path maybe not happen like I wanted it to, but I see that God's path does. And, I, and I'll tell you quickly, I, I grew up, and, and many of you know this, but I grew up a Gator fan. I'm ashamed. I know you, you, can, you can save the, the, the cheers like, oh, go Gators. I know, I know, I know. You love the Gators. So I grew up a Gator fan. And, uh, and, and so where did I want to go? I wanted to go to college at Florida. I had good test scores. I had good grades. I had 100% bright futures. I was like, okay, I'm on the path. I'm on the right path. I, I'm directed towards what I want. And then I didn't get into Florida. And I was like, well, that's what I wanted. That was the path. Man, I did what, I had the same grades as they did. I had the same test scores as they did. Why did they get in and I didn't? And I wondered why, well, like, why is my path not happening here? Why don't I get what I want? So then 
I, I went to Florida State, and I was like, well, you know, like, I, I mean, I don't really like them and everything, but, but I mean, I guess it's cool. I'll just go there. And, and so I started going there for a couple of years, and, and I actually really liked it. And I liked the campus, I liked the school, I liked my friends, I, I liked everything about it. And, and my heart um, towards everything kind of changed over those couple of years. But then a couple of years later, and not many people know this, but I applied to Florida again. And why did I apply to Florida again? I didn't actually want to leave Florida State. I didn't want to transfer. I, didn't, I, I loved my major. I loved my friends. I loved what I was doing there. I, I, I had like kind of come around on the whole FSU sports thing. And, and like I was like, I, I, was, I, was, I was loving life. And I remember having like this going away party with my friends because they all knew I'm going to Florida and, and I, I'm, I'm gonna leave. And I remember even like leaving that party that night being like, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't really wanna go there. But there was this stubbornness in me, this idea of like, I wanna go my direction. I wanna go on my path. But I had a limited perspective. God had a different perspective on my life. And I remember uh, over the course of the summer, I think it was the beginning of the summer, I, I go online to see whether I got in. And I'm, and I'm almost sitting there kind of hoping that I won't get in. Because I know if I get in, I will go. And I'll leave everything I love and start over completely. And I remember ter- t- going online and online, uh, logging onto the portal and, and seeing that I didn't get in. I remember feeling this kind of this sense of relief like, okay, now I, will, now I can stay where, where I'm really supposed to be. And now I don't have to like try to just do it my way. And I remember some amazing things happened there. And like, even like the, the, like the second week of college, I'm sitting, at, um, I'm sitting at lunch with a friend of mine and I'm bending down to get something out of my backpack. And I look up and there's this other guy across the room uh, bending down to get something out of his backpack. And we like lock eyes for a second. It was like a romantic comedy or something. I, I like look at him and I'm like, and we like kind of recognize each other. And I realized it was like my best friend from middle school. I hadn't seen him in four years. I, and I, I barely even recognized him because it was so long and um, we didn't have Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And so like, I hadn't been able to keep up with him. So I just hadn't seen him. And, and like God kind of, I really believe God reconnected us and that never would have happened if I didn't go to Florida State. We were in each other's wedding. We're still really good friends to this day. And, and a lot of other things like that happened. I went to school with some of my best friends from here in Jacksonville and I wouldn't have experienced that. Like God did some amazing things because I went on the path he ultimately wanted not where I wanted to go. And then I graduated and I was like, I'm gonna go into sports. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna coach and all this stuff. And I sent out like 200 resumes to become a grad assistant at colleges all over the country, like every division one and division two program. And I got like 200 no's. I got no yeses. I had no options. And I was like, okay, well, that's not my path. Well, why, why don't I get what I want? I coached. I, I was involved in the FSU basketball program. Like, I, I, why can't I get, like, I have experience. Like, why can't I get the path that I wanna go on? And once again, I had to adjust to the fact that my path maybe wasn't the best path. And so I began to work in some, some different jobs and I hated my life. Like I hated my job. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't even have any prospects. I, I went between living at uh, home with my parents in, the, in my mid-20s to, to living with uh, a roommate with a dog. And you guys know how I feel about dogs. Like I wasn't trying to live with a dog. And, like, and, then, I, and then he got married. I had to move back in with my parents. I'm 25. I'm like, oh, I hate my job. I'm never gonna get married. Uh, I live with my parents. I don't make any money. Like, like, like where is God taking me? Like I was miserable. Like the only thing I liked in my life was leading my, my life group, uh, my 10th grade life group uh, of boys. Like that's all I really liked in my life. And like, I was just like, oh, like what is God doing? What is God, and it's so easy to stop trusting in him to start trusting in yourself. So I started applying for all these different jobs and I'd get to like the final two, I'd get interviewed and it'd be like, nope, not for you. And I'd be like, what is God doing? Like, why is this happening to me? 
And when I, when I was in this student ministry, I sat in those seats and I never thought I'd be up here. I never want my, my, my friends and my family growing up, they'd be like, oh, are you gonna be like a pastor like your daddy when you grow up? And I'm like, no, like, I don't wanna do that. Like, 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 that's like the last thing I would ever want to do. And even a few years ago, I was like, no, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm good being a life group leader, that's my thing. But God had a different path for me. God had a better path for me. And if I got what I wanted, I wouldn't be where I am today. I have a dream job. I have a dream wife. I love my home. I love my church. I love my town. Like this is like a, a dream come true. And that didn't happen because I got what I wanted. If I got what I wanted, I probably wouldn't have anything I have today. But God had a better path. God knows the best path. He has an unlimited perspective on our life. I want to close with the scripture that we started with a few weeks ago. And Jesus is talking about our path in life. He says this, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Only a few find it. See, we have a choice. We can go down the broad road. Everybody else is doing it. It feels good, do it. Like, like it's our plan, it's our strategy, it's our direction. And we might get where we want to go, but is where we want to go really best? Ultimately, no. God's direction and path for our life is ultimately the best life possible. He will give you things that you don't even know you want right now. When I was 18, I didn't know I wanted to be a pastor. And I wouldn't have gone in that direction. But he knew something that I didn't know because his perspective is unlimited. He knows what is best for each and every one of us because he created you. He has a plan for you. He knows your family. He knows your friends. He knows what you're typing on your phone right now. He knows what you're thinking in your mind right now. He knows where you're going to go to college. He knows what you're going to do for a job. He knows who you're going to marry. He knows what your kids are going to look like, what you're going to name. He knows what your grandkids and your great-grandkids are going to look like. He knows everything. Why not trust him? Why not trust the narrow path? And you may say, well, what's the narrow path? If we turn over, and this is the last verse, I promise, we turn over to John 14, 6. His disciples are like, Jesus, why are you leaving? And Jesus is like, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm preparing a place for you. And they're like, but, but where are you going? He's like, you'll find it. Like, well, we don't know how to get there. Like, what do we do, Jesus? Like, how do we get to where you are going? And Jesus answers, with this famous Bible verse, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's what he was saying. They're asking, like, how do we get there? Where's this narrow path you were talking about a few months ago, Jesus? Like, how do we get where we are going? We don't know. We're scared. We don't know how to get where we want to go in life. We don't know what's best even for ourselves. And Jesus says, I am the path. It's not, it, I know I talked about a narrow path and you got confused because I was talking about paths and gates and you thought it was like a real thing. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets anywhere without me. The best path is me. The way to where you want to go is me. The way you want to get to where you're going is me. If you follow after Jesus, he will take you to the places you want to go. And so for us, those of you who are Christians who've been following Jesus, you need to remind yourself, I gotta reorient my focus. I gotta remember Jesus is the path, not my college, 
Not my boyfriend, not my girlfriend, not what I look like, not how good I am on an athletic field or on a court. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. But there are some of you in this room that don't know Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. You've been to church a little bit. Maybe you've heard some things tonight, but you have never given your life over to him. You have never surrendered your life to him. You've never actually gone down that narrow path. And whether you know it or not, you're on this broad path that everyone else is on that's headed for destruction. It's headed to a path you don't want to go down, to a life, to an eternity you don't want to be a part of. But God has something better. He has the best for you. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You make the decision for you. No one else can make it for you. So if that's you tonight, I want to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand because I want you to remember the moment where you said yes to Jesus. I want you to remember the moment you, you, you kind of brushed the bushes and the vines away and you found this narrow path. The path isn't easy, but the path has peace. The path is promising. The path has hope and purpose. And you will ultimately get to the place you always wanted to be. The Bible says if you believe and if you confess, if you pray, you will be saved. You will know Jesus as Lord. So on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you want to pray this prayer with me and then just repeat these words after me. One, God loves you. Two, he has a path for your life. Three, raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand and keep it up. Raise it high. Raise it high. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I'm yours. I'm done going down my own path, doing things my own way. And I want the best path that only comes through you. I know you're the son of God that you died for me and rose again. And I want to follow you. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. In your name I pray.